Today, there are many people, including Christians, who are disappointed in how romantic relationships are turning out. There's a strong sense in the air that people just want something better, but they're at a loss on how to get it. But there is something better, and that something better is found in God's manual, found in God's word. What do you say? Amen? In other words, He created you. He knows what makes you happy. He can make you very happy. And the way to be happy in relationships is to follow God's way. I wish I knew what I know now. And I made so much mistakes. And I know many of you have made many mistakes. You have hurt yourself. You've been, you've been through a lot of broken hearts, wounded souls. You've been hurt by many people, by your parents. You've been hurt by your brothers and sisters. You've been hurt by your children. You've been hurt by your friends. And you've been hurting relationships. You've been hurt by your boyfriend. You've been hurt by your girlfriends. I hear it everywhere I go. There are many people who are hurting out there. And, oh, by the way, one thing before you continue with this, and this is a thought in our experience on why we need healing, and that's why I did last night. Because the abused always becomes the abuser. Let me say that again. Those who have been abused by sin always become abusers of sin towards others. And the only way to break that cycle, you need to be healed. That's why I had a healing service last night. You can't have good relationships unless you've been healed of your past wounds and abuse that you've experienced in your life. You just cannot. You can't experience, expect to have a healthy marriage or um, a healthy relationship in a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship unless you heal from your past wounds. That's why it's so important you need to experience healing. And then, and you're going to notice that when you become abused, if you don't deal with that, you're going to become, you're going to be doing the same thing. It may take a different avenue, not the exact way that maybe you've been abused, but you're going to start abusing other people and hurting them also. And we need to experience the healing of God's word. What do you say? Amen? And God's love. Love is the only power that can actually heal us. By his wounds of the cross of love, we are healed. What do you say? Amen? So I turn, Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. And so... Let God lead in our love lives and we're going to find what our hearts have always been looking for. Let us pray. Father, Lord, in this last relationship class, we ask that you may make it clear and that the questions that are in the minds may be answered. Lord, help me that, help me to make it simple and that your love may flow out is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to look at relationships. I know um, Pastor Waller addressed it a little bit. I just want to reemphasize it and um, focus on this one point. Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. And we know as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man cometh, right? So we look at the, the parallels between what happened in the days of Noah and also today. But Genesis 6, verse 2. Before the earth was destroyed the first time, what were people doing? Notice the Bible says, the, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wise of all which they what? Chose. So in other words, they chose or they made their own decisions not according to God to choose the soulmate they thought that was best for them. And as a result of choosing their own thing, notice what happens. The result of bad relationship choices back in the days of Noah, what happened in, um, okay, let's look at this quotation first. Look at your handout. 
I'm sure everyone has a hand up by now. But it says here, and I shared this before in one of my previous um, presentations, but it says, Satan is busily engaged in influencing those who are wholly unsuited to each other to unite their interests. He exalts in this work, for by it, in other words, people who get into bad relationships, by it he can produce more misery and hopeless woe to the human family than by exercising his skill in any other direction. So Satan knows, and it goes along with Genesis chapter 6, because Satan knows there's, there's something about if I can mess up homes. Now many of you come from mess up homes. Many of you have been hurt by your homes, and you see the bad results of it, right? So Satan knows this, and he's, been, he's the greatest matchmaker of all time. And he goes out and he tries to ruin your relationship. He tries to make your life miserable. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want you to be happy. Don't believe the lie of choosing your own spouse, what you want, and your own ways, and going by your own feelings, that that's going to make you happy. Now notice what happens next in verse 5 to 7. As a direct result of young people choosing their own mate, whom they wanted to choose, the Bible says, directly after that, the Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In other words, the reason why man's thoughts were evil continually was because the young people were making bad decisions on the people whom they're going to date. And then it goes on and says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. What is going to be the one thing that's going to make God grieve and hurt that he actually had made man? And, it, and the one thing that happens is actually because they had chosen their own spouse and they had messed up the homes and they had hurt so many people and so many of their children have been hurt. And then it says in verse 7, The Lord said, I would destroy men whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, that the creeping things and the fowls of the air, for repenting me that I had made them. So the Bible says that God destroyed the earth the first time. Now there's parallels here between the second coming of Christ when the earth is destroyed again. It was all because of bad relationships. How many of you guys actually want to be in a bad relationship? Let me see your hands. How many, have been bad? How many have been in a bad relationship? <laughs> I, saw, I saw that. Someone's trying to grab someone else's hand. <laughs> you know, all of this happened just because people we're making bad dating and marriage decisions. And this is why we need to seriously study the subject of dating and marriage thoroughly before we begin dating. Look at the handout here that was given to you. Look what it says here in the Spirit of Prophecy. It says, If those who are contemplating marriage will not have miserable, unhappy reflections after marriage, they must make it a subject of serious, earnest reflection. When? Now. I praise God you actually want to know about how to date the correct way. It makes me happy to see that. Amen? There's people here, and you heard also even the last sessions, that there are people who have been married, right? And they've gotten the divorce, and they're hurt. And they wish that they actually had learned um, things that um, we're learning today. And so it's good that you study this. You know, I'm thinking about this in college. They have all these classes on how to have... You know, they have all these different kind of classes on philosophy that you probably never ever use in your whole life. 
using all these classes in college, and the one thing that is real that actually deals with your life every single day when you get married is actually on dating. And there's no class, and I haven't seen a class in the college curriculum that says dating 101, have you? I haven't. I thought it was only one. I guess not. No one else has seen it. And it's funny to me that this is the one area that Satan, I was wondering, maybe Satan has a, an idea here. Maybe he doesn't want this class taught in college. Especially from a biblical perspective, right? Not from a worldly perspective. Notice what it says here. It goes on and says, No one can so effectually ruin a woman's happiness and usefulness and make life a heart-sickening burden as her own husband. You think that you can marry whoever you want and you're going to be the most happiest person in the world no matter who that person is going to be? Do you think you can actually do that? Have you seen, if you only seen what I've seen, if you only seen this a little bit of the, the anguish and the pain and the suffering of marriages that I've seen gone bad and the heart-wrenching cries from the heart crying out to God because they're in such pain. If you could only see a little bit of it, you'd be, you'd be chased away from actually choosing who you want to marry. And you follow God's way. Then it goes on and says, and no one can do 100 part, 100 part, as much to chill the hopes and aspirations of a man to paralyze his energies and ruin his influence and prospects as his own wife. You want to be ruined? Make your own decision. Go by your emotions and feelings rather than following the Word of God. I want to follow the Word of God. How about you, huh? Amen? So let's set that principle, and let's go into Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 in your Bibles. Okay, let's go the confusion of love. Who did God create first? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We're going to look at God's four purposes in regards to relationships. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Who did God create first? The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, who did God create first? Did God create Adam and Eve first? God, God created just who? Adam first, right? So it was just Adam. There was no Adam and Eve. In other words, besides Adam, who else was there? God. So all there was was just Adam and who? God. That was the first, he was the first one created. That means that Adam must have spent time alone with God that day in a close relationship with him before he was even given his soulmate. True? So Adam was, in other words, now let's see, how close was God and Adam's relationship? Genesis 2 verse 19. Notice what it says here. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Okay, we read that text many times, right? And so God brought him the animals. And so there was a period of time, in other words, God had, God had asked Adam to name the animals. So there must, and then he created Eve after. So God created Adam, and then he asked, God asked Adam to name the animals, and then he created Eve down the road, right? So there was a period of time where, you know, to, Adam didn't name the animals, all the animals that's out there, in just five minutes, right? There was some process, there was some time that happened. So God had separated 
the, his soulmate from coming to him because he wanted to spend time alone with Adam. And the same way God wants to spend time with you alone before he brings to you your soulmate. What do you say? Amen? That's what he wants. Now, Genesis 2, verse 19. How close was that relationship? Now, it says that God brought the animals, and you know, we, read it, we normally read it this way. We read it that whatever Adam called every living creature, you know, that was the name of it. Meaning that if, it, if Adam called the giraffe, giraffe, then God would say, okay, Adam, you, let's see, you call it a giraffe? Okay, it's a giraffe. But I want to share it from a different perspective. And it goes like this. Whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name of it. That was already the name of it. In other words, God had created Adam in his image. In other words, they were so close and so tight. God was watching Adam, and as he named giraffe, God goes, I said, what are you going to name this, Adam? And Adam goes, giraffe. And God goes, that's right, like father, like son. He's thinking just like me. They had become so intimate in their relationship that they began to think alike. You know couples? Not only did they begin to think alike and finish their sentences. Do you guys know people like that? They finish each, other, each other's sentences. They're so alike. They think alike. And after a while, they begin to even look alike, right? <laughs> and so Adam was so alike. They were thinking alike. They had the thoughts. We, th- we talked about last night. Thoughts and feelings of God, right? Is one's character. He had the thoughts of God. And they're very similar. So the first purpose for God in creating Adam in regards to relationship was for Adam to develop a relationship with God first. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. Okay, second thing. So now we're going to look at the four principles. So the second thing is this. Okay, wait, hold on. Um, thank you, Tina. Genesis 2, verse 15. After creating Adam, what did God then give to Adam? Genesis 2, verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. We kind of went over this last session. But the Bible says that and the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to, what? Keep it. So to garden, to, to work the garden and to um, nurture the garden and to maintain the garden. Now, you would think that rather than doing all these things, so why is God doing, rather than just creating Adam and then having name on the animals and now he wants to have him given the assignment of his job assignment. What is he doing all these things before bringing even Eve along? See, God had a purpose in creating Adam. There was a purpose in everything that he did for Adam. In the same way, you know, God wanted to give Adam a occupation, a life calling, a life work. So the second thing is actually uh, Tina, is that God wanted to give, discover one's life work. In the same way, God wants you, after you, de- you develop your relationship with God, the second thing that God wants you to develop is actually to discover your life's work. What is your occupation going to be? And it only makes sense because um, in order, well, we're going to go over that later, but in order, you need to have a life calling, a life work that you can support your family. So God gave me in Genesis 2.15 a life calling first. This is the second step. In the same way, we need to provide for our family before we get married. Now, I want you to notice the difference. Just because you have a degree, that doesn't mean that you can provide for your family, especially in this economy. True? You know, the, the percentages, 80, 83% of parents believe that the children need degrees. 
You know, that may have been true from 2008 and earlier on, but not since 2008 on. Let me give some statistics. 53% of 18 to 24-year-olds are living at home. And let me give another one. They interviewed seniors in college. 85%, 85% of seniors interviewed have said that after they graduate, they're going to be moving back home. 85%. You need to see the counter cost. If you're going to get a degree, as I said last class, and it's $200,000, right? And I know a close friend of mine, $200,000 loan, and she can't even use that degree. You're going to make sure that you're going to go into that degree that's going to produce an income, right? And on top of that, go to a college. They're not going to be looking so much at the college. Go to a college that's much more inexpensive, right? And that cost effective. And we talked about the, blue, the divine blueprint, right, or God's original blueprint, where we've gone off from that, where the original pioneers believed that you work your whole way to your tuition, you work up your tuition, and you leave college debt-free. Um, that is God's divine blueprint for education. And we pray that maybe God can start a true education school like that. What do you say, huh? Amen? Yeah. Now, look at, the, look at the handout here. It says here, while at school, by the way, you, the reason you go to school, or not talking about college only, but training schools for your skills or whatever occupation you may be going to, while at school, we all need to focus upon Finishing our education first. What do you say? Amen? Because what happens is sometimes that they get involved in relationships and sometimes they drop out of their training and of um, trade school or whatever it may be or college and then they leave not being able to provide for their families. We learned a little bit about that last time. Now notice what Inspiration said. She says, while at school, students should not allow their minds to become confused by thoughts of courtship. It's funny how the schools promote dating and reverse weekends and all these other programs, right? It says, they are not to allow their minds to become confused by thoughts of courtship. They are to, they are to gain a fitness to work for God, and this thought is ever to be uppermost. What do you say, huh? amen? In other words, when you're in school, you need to focus. And parents have, you know, they have a good reason behind finish your school first, some parents say, before you get involved in serious relationship. Now, you see, the goal in going to school is to be trained to work for God, not to date. I know some people go to school and they want to get their MR and MRS degrees, right? But that is a very expensive way to get married. You want to let God find your soulmate. Look at another handout here. Look at the handout. It says here, but there is also something. If you're in school and you're an older student, you know, these principles change with your situations. And Inspiration says, in all our dealings with students, this is the paragraph right after the one I read to you, Age and character must be taken into account. We cannot treat the young and the old just alike. There are circumstances in which men and women of sound experience and good standing may be granted some privileges not given to younger students. The age, the condition, and the turn of the mind must be taken into consideration. What do you say, amen? So in other words, the younger children, I mean the younger people, you know, if you're too young and maybe even you're older in age but you're acting immature, you know, seek godly counsel before you jump into any relationships. Wait for the right time, and God will bring the right person. Yeah. I know it may be hard to, for some of you to hear this, but um, if you really want to be happy, we must follow God's way. What do you say, amen? Yeah. Now, 
I went to a school, I told you I came from self-supporting background. So I went to a school that had this dating policy in college that you, um, you shouldn't be dating when you're in college at all. So I'm at this school, and, um, and here's the danger. We used to go out and have friendship and call out each, each other's affections and act like boyfriend and girlfriend, but not be officially committed to it. You ever seen that before? And so you can go by the letter of the law, right? But actually not follow the true spirit of the law. And you know, actually at the end of those four years, I was the one that followed the letter of the law. That's my thing. You know, I want to look, look obedient on the outside. So I did it. I, did, I, did, I finished college. I graduated, graduated from Weimar, and I didn't. I didn't date. But here's the, here's the thing. That very day of graduation, <laughs> right after I got together with somebody, you see, it's like you're following the letter of the law, but God really needs to change our hearts on the inside. What do you say, huh? Amen? So God's second purpose for Adam's life was for Adam to receive his life work from God. So number one, establish a relationship with God. Number two, discover one's life work, right? That's what God wants to discover. And the third thing is, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. Notice the Bible says, the Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh inside thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. So after God gave to Adam his life, or he gave then to Adam his soul mate. You see, as Adam was naming the animals, he was naming, he was seeing that he was naming the animals Mr. Lion, Mrs. Lion. Mr. Monkey, Mrs. Monkey, right? And as he's going through all this naming, he realized that every single animal had a soulmate except himself. Then he realized that he was lonely. He wanted to have someone to share his day with. He wanted someone to share his thoughts and his feelings with. And so God allowed his soulmate to come. Eve was created from Adam. In other words, Eve was made just for Adam, right? Now, um, in relationships. Now, here's the thing about relationships, and um, let's look at Adam and Eve. Eve was the only woman for Adam. What do you say? Amen? Amen. Now, she was the only woman, (laughs) but she was the only woman for Adam. And that's why it says here, who, who was it that found who? Did Adam find Eve or did Eve find Adam? According to this text. What does the Bible say there in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22? Who found who? Who found who? Was Adam found Eve or did Eve find Adam? Ah, let's stick to the word of God. Huh? What happened? God is the one who brought, what? Eve to Adam. In other words, God is the one that's going to find you, your soulmate. What do you say? Amen? Amen. He's going to find one. He knows what best fits you. He knows the one that's going to meet your needs. He knows the one that came forth from Adam, right? He came forth from Adam from his own flesh and blood, his own rib, and was created perfectly from his own self and was made for Adam. God's going to bring the person who is made exactly for you. And he's going to bring them to you. And you have to depend upon God that he's going to bring that right soulmate 
to you. Do you believe that? I believe that. How about you? Amen? Amen. Now, we need to see that nothing has changed. Adam needs to realize that he needs to be content being single first before God will bring him his soulmate. In the same way, you need to learn to be content with being single. And that's how God works. I was searching when I got, I got married at 34, right? And so here I am, already I established my relationship with God. I had my life work for four years, at least four years, and I felt I was ready. And so here I'm like, okay, God, I'm ready. I did, okay, one and two. Okay, where is the soulmate you have for me? And so I'm waiting, but God didn't bring, I'm waiting one year, God didn't bring the person. Well, I did steps one and two, how come he didn't bring it? And then I waited two years, and God still didn't bring my soulmate. I was getting more frustrated, and I waited. And then third year came, and God still didn't bring my soulmate. And then in the fourth year, and then God still did not bring my soulmate. I was so frustrated. And then God said, you, you need to be content with me first, and then when you're content with me, being single with me, then I'm going to bring your soulmate. So I stopped searching. I said, okay, I give up. It's in your hands. You bring me a soulmate. And that's when I noticed Yvette in church. You know how we met? We did an evangelistic meeting. This, we had a church that was, um, two conference presidents were going to shut down. So we did evangelistic meetings. Uh, Peter Gregory was running a school with our church at that time. He just came out of Heartland College. I came out of Weimar. We're working together, that Weimar-Heartland connection. And then we were trying to uh, revive this church, and then, they were going to shut it down. And God revived the church. God worked miracles and brought people in. And um, two people were baptized. was Yvette Takamini and um, her mom. And Yvette was actually, uh, is my wife. She's the one I baptized first. And here's the thing. I baptized her, and I didn't even realize there was no mutual attraction at all. It was only after that I noticed her later on. It was about a year later. So God's going to bring in, if that person is not in the church, God's going to bring them outside of the church and bring them into the church. What do you say, amen? But God will bring you your soulmate, whatever way he's going to use. He can do it, and he can do it out of the common order of things, right? Can he not? Is he not God? He can do it. So don't think that you travel all the churches in Southern California, and you haven't found anyone else. You don't see anyone at these camp meetings. God's going to do miracles, all right? And he can bring you a soulmate if you believe, right? All things is possible to those who believe. God can achieve that which you would not believe. So the second thing was, the third thing here is that, um, listen, listen to the handout. Let's go there to the marriage. When you say, you see that one? There are thousands that are mated, but not matched. In other words, you can be mated with someone, but you cannot be matched. This is why I would warn the young who are of a marriageable age to make haste slowly in the choice of a companion. So in the same way, we have to make sure that we're not dismayed with someone, that we're actually matched with that person. Now, let's look at the fourth thing. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. After Adam and Eve got married, what was God's next purpose for them? The Bible says, And Adam and Eve knew his wife, can you put the third thing, actually, Christina? Uh, find soulmate, right? The fourth and last thing is this. And, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So what's the last thing God's purpose in relationships? To have what? 
to have children, right? To be fruitful and multiply. So that's what God's last purpose for you in regards to relationships. Now, what is happening today? Let me share what's happening, okay? The last is children. Okay. Now, if you were Satan, and you knew that this was God's four purposes for you in regards to relationships, now what will you do? Now you make... You turn it upside down. Very good. Now think about this. It makes sense because if you ever establish a relationship with God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to hear God's voice and you're going to find out what God's life work is for you, right? And if you have a relationship with God, you're also going to be able to discover and hear God's voice and, and discern what is the soulmate that God, and who is the soulmate God has for you. And also, you're going to be able to support through your life work your soulmate, Right? It makes sense. It goes in the right order. And then also, before you have children, it's best you have a relationship with God so you can raise godly children. And it's also good that you have a life calling from God, right? So that you can actually support your child and your family. And it's also good that you have a godly soulmate that you can actually raise up a godly child. What do you say? Amen? So God's order totally makes sense. It's found there all in Genesis. And if you were Satan, what would Satan do? He would turn it upside down. So what's happening today is that young people, and you see out that they're having sex. They like to have sex, and they like to have children. They're having children out there without getting married, right? And so they're having these children, and after they have these babies and babies, they decide, hey, wait a minute. Since we're together, we have the same children together, and they're not happy because the kids are going crazy and screaming and, you know, everything's going chaotic. And then they say, hey, you know what? We're already together. We have children together. Let's get what? Mary. So now because we have the same children and we want to raise a family and let's get married. So now, not only do they have children out of wedlock and life is a mess where the kids are screaming, but now they're married to a person probably whom they don't even love. And now the life is even worse. There's kids screaming around and they have this person, they wake up in the morning, they open their eyes and their heart sinks because they don't even love that person. And they become even more miserable and unhappy in their life. And then now because they had children that are running around crazy and that out of wedlock, and now they have found a, a person that they do not love and they're unhappy with, now they realize, wait a minute, I got a family now. What am I going to have to do now? I'm going to have to get a what? Job. Job to make money. So now they go and find, and they're, not, they're looking now for any job, for any job as soon as possible so I can make money to support my family. And so now they're unhappy with these children that they never planned they, they, to. And they have this soulmate, that maybe a young guy who doesn't really want to be tied down because there's no fun. He will still want to go out and have some fun. And they're unhappy as being together with the person they do, they do not love. And then they discover that they're at a job which they hate, but the only reason they're staying at their job because they're a slave to earning money to support the family that they never wanted. And then now, because their lives are so messed up, because they've had these children out of wedlocks at such a young age, because they have living with this person who they're married to, whom they do not love, and they're very unhappy with, and they're at a job that they totally hate, and the boss hates them, so, their lives are so messed up that they finally turn to God. Has anyone ever seen this ever happen? Let me see your hands. 
Which way do you want to follow? Is not God the way the better way? I mean, just think about it. Just common sense. Which way makes sense? God's way makes sense. I want to follow God's way. How about you? Amen? Let's follow God's way. So let's look at intentional dating. Okay? Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. And this is where courtship, you know, people talk about courtship and dating. Okay, let's look at Genesis chapter 29, verse 18. Genesis chapter 29, verse 18, and then 20 to 22. The Bible says, And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. So who did Jacob love, and who was he going to serve Laban for? Rachel, right? How many women? One. Twenty. And Jacob served seven years for Leah. Is that what it says? No, Rachel. And they seen unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. In other words, the purpose of dating, I call it intentional dating or courtship. See, the difference between dating and courtship, there's a difference. And what people do today is that they deal with, they actually go around and they play with different people and call out their affections. Look at this handout here, what it says. It says, and yet some will show a preference for young ladies and call out their affections. In other words, when somebody calls out your affections, do you, guys, do you guys know what that is? In other words, they flirt with you, they smile you, they make you laugh, and they try to call out your affections so that you will actually end up liking them. So they, they flirt with you, and then it says here, and then they go their way and forget all about the words they have spoken and their effect. A new face attracts them and they repeat the same words, devote to another the same attention. So they date Sarah Monday night, they date Susan Tuesday night, Rebecca Wednesday night, Jennifer Thursday night, right? They rest on Friday night. Are you following me? In other words, there is an intentional dating. In other words, God's the purpose of dating is not to go out and have fun. It's not to fill your emotional needs that you feel you have. The role of dating was intentional dating according is that you only focus on one person at a time. And you, your goal is to determine, and your goal is this, to determine if this is the person that God is calling you to marry. And not only that, but you need to make it clear and say to the person, the purpose why we're going out is because I want to see if you're the one that God wants me to marry. And that needs to be said from the beginning. Because otherwise, you know, Michelle's warning, like, well, you took him out on a date, and she's like, man, I really like him. He must love me also, right? And then youth, Michelle may be thinking she wants to marry. But Johnny, he's too young. He doesn't want commitment. He wants to have fun. So he goes out and chooses a night with someone else, right? If there is no understanding of what a commitment is in a relationship, there's going to be a lot of heartache and heartbreak right out there. And many of you experience that. So the God's way of intentional dating is for you to find out in courtship, is this the person that God has called you to marry? If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. amen. Amen? On top of this, rather than, you know, what's happening today, people don't even want commitment today. People are not even calling each other boyfriend or girlfriend any longer. In other words, all they call it, they're calling each other friends. Oh, this is my friend. You ever heard that before? 
Or this is my special friend. I even heard people say the latest what I heard was, this is my, this is my friends, this friends with benefits, they call them. It's sad what's happening out there today, right? People don't want commitment. They want to have, what they want to do is today is that they don't want any strings attached. In other words, they want to have sex with no strings attached. They want to have their emotional needs fulfilled without being tied down. Not realizing that emotional hurt and pain are much likely to happen when there are no boundaries of commitment. Now, dating and courting. I know there's a battle between dating and courting. But you know, um, like I said in one of the questions and answers, that I know people who say they're courting, right? But they dated like the devil, right? And then people who are say they're dating, but um, they're actually dating with biblical principles, principles of courtship. So it's actually your actions define your terms and your terms don't define your actions, right? It's what you really do. So intentional dating or courting, I know the language we use today, but remember that the goal is to be up front with the person from the beginning and tell them what you want to do, right? Whenever there's a breakup, it definitely hurts. And that's why you may think that you probably was looking for a partner in life and that thing didn't work out and you went to God, why didn't this thing work out? But later on you may find out that that breakup was actually God's plan for your life. You're going to find out that I thank God. You know, I was, going to, I was dating this girl for three years. And she cheated on me. We were in college, right? And with this one, with this one man. And it was one of my good friends. And it was serious, you know, sexually um, cheating. And so it was so painful. It wasn't as cheating also, but it was the lies that came with it. That was the worst thing, actually. Those of you who've been through that, you can understand, right? You can feel my pain, I know. And um, here's the miracle. That was the very thing that turned me to God. So out of the evil, God brings out good. What do you say, amen? 20 years later, I meet this guy again in person. After over 20 years, I finally get to meet him again. Yesterday was the first time I met him in 20 years. He came up to SWYC yesterday with his family. And I talked to him. (laughs) The way you heard my talk on forgiveness, right, yesterday morning. I've been healed. It doesn't bother me. God has healed me. I mean, it's not even an issue. So I went up to him and I said to him, <laughs> I brought up the subject, what happened? Because we never talked about it ever since. And I said, you know that thing that happened with my ex-girlfriend and you and me? He goes, yeah. I said, that was the greatest blessing that ever happened to my life. <laughs> I said, well, the, the evil that happened, God brought so much good out of it. I wouldn't even be here today if that didn't happen. So, you know, God is so good. And so when you think your heart is breaking and you're hurting, like, I look back, I'm so glad I didn't marry that girl. My life would have been like this. Messed up. I'm so glad that God gave me a second chance. Not only did God give me a second chance, he gave me a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. I've made so many mistakes in relationships, I'm telling you. The only reason I'm up here is because I want to share with you, I don't want you to go through the pain and suffering that you go, that I've gone through. 
I'm showing you from, I'm not showing you principles of this intellectual head knowledge. I'm telling you from experience that these principles that's happening out in the world and even in the church, it does not work. And you're going to be in a lot of pain if you follow the things that's going on in the church and how people date. Follow God's way. You're going to be happy. God's going to close the door, but it's going to be done for your own good. So in the midst of your pain, let God know you don't understand, but you know that he's taking this relationship away because he has something better for you. What do you say? Amen? Amen. That's what you need to believe and trust in God that he can do it. The last principle I want to share with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Now I shared this principle already, but I just want to share it one last time. The Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? In other words, do not marry right, someone who does not truly love God. Look at the handout here, what it says. It says, hundreds have sacrificed Christ and heaven in consequence of marrying unconverted persons. Hundreds. In other words, they were Christians, but they sacrificed Christ in heaven because they were marrying unconverted people. And as um, was shared earlier, yesterday, unconverted even within the church, right? Many people have given up Christ in heaven by marrying these unbelievers. I have seen this come true. As many of my friends who have married outside of the faith have left the church. And beloved, if you're currently with someone who is not of your faith, I plead with you, you need to break it off. Break it off. Some of you may be dating someone who's not a Christian. You need to break it off. Don't think you're going to change that person. You need to break it off. And when they're ready and they change, then get back together. You see, he might be handsome, but if he's not converted, don't do it. She might be fun to hang around with, but if she's not fully committed to Christ, then don't do it. There's a lady named Cindy, and she had a boyfriend who was a Christian. I see the 10 minute sign. <laughs> and Cindy had his boyfriend who was a Christian. And he ended up cheating on her with another girl. She was so devastated and broken. She said in her heart, I'm never ever going to date someone ever again. You ever heard that before? <laughs> so she said, that's it. No more. She put on blinders. And finally she went to, um, she joined the newspaper, the college newspaper group that actually made a college newspaper. And there's a group of her and four other men. And they're working closely together on the college newspaper. And while working together on this college newspaper, there's one guy that seemed to always pick on her and her religion. And always used to make fun of and mock Christianity. And she was trying to defend her faith and try to witness it. No, I think God wants me there to witness to um, this young man who's making fun of Christianity because maybe he might change. So she started to respond to him, and after a while, he's making fun of her and mocking her religion, but after a while, she's starting to actually be attracted to him. So this man started pursuing her and asked her to go out, and she started to like it, and finally she decided to start dating this guy. So finally they went out and started to go out, and then she started to realize that she started to fall more in love with this man. 
even though he still used to mock Christianity. And it's a God, if one by one, her standards were very strong, she was raised a Christian, so one by one, she began to drop her standards, or what she believed she would never do. And one by one, she began to drop her standards, lower and lower and lower, just to find the end that somehow if I can just reach that man where he's at, I can change him and he can become a Christian. Ever heard that before? So Cindy kept dating this man. And finally, she had dropped the standards. She had gone further even her, in her physical boundaries than what she wanted. Until lower, until lower. But she was always justifying it within herself. And as she was driving, one day she was driving home, and it was thunderstorms and showers, and it was raining so hard, and it was late at night, and she was driving her car, and it was, thund- and it was, it was so strong on the windshield that the, it was on the fastest speed, but still she could not see. And it was pitch dark. There was no moon. And as she was driving, she actually couldn't see anymore, so she was forced to pull over on the side and stop the car and turn on the engine. And then she says this, and I quote her, staring out the windshield at the darkness and confusion, I realized that I didn't know where I was or who I was any longer. I began to cry uncontrollably as I realized that I was gradually becoming everything I never wanted to be. But most devastating to me in that dark, scary moment was the fact that I had turned my back on my one true love, Jesus Christ. I vowed that night to never again go down that dark road of disobedience. And I never spoke to that man again either. And beloved, this is what many of us need to do. We need to see that what we're doing, we're compromising and we're breaking the heart of the one who loves us the most, which is Jesus Christ. What do you say, amen? You know, David was a man after God's own heart, was he not? But when he committed adultery, guess what? He was a man who actually had broken God's heart. And many of us have broken God's heart. I have broken God's heart many times. But to stick in a relationship where you're going to keep on going down your road of disobedience and hurting God when He loves you and He wants you to stick up for the standards for your happiness because He loves you. Beloved, do you have a love for Heavenly Father who cares so much for you? Are you completely satisfied with His love for you that you don't want to look for love in all the wrong places? Do you have a strong enough relationship with God that you can trust Him to bring to you your soulmate? I want this type of relationship. How about you? What do you say? Amen? God has been good and He truly loves you. If you follow God's principles, you will be happy. And I want you to be happy. So God's blessing is upon you. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word and we pray that you may take this word what we learn and write it upon our hearts we thank you for already answering our prayers in Jesus name Amen this message is produced by a loud and clear call ministries our mission is to uplift God's character of love through the preaching and teaching of the everlasting gospel in this generation. For more information on our ministry and the resources we provide, please go to our website at 
www.aloudandclearcall.org. That's www.aloudandclearcall.org. Mahalo and God bless.